everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically, the same way Jesus did. Well, I have the incredible privilege again of having my daughters back with me on the radio show, Marianne and Ruthie. Welcome back. Thank Ooh, you so much for having us. <laughs> so I remember on our first interview, not the one last week, but the one like a year ago, mm. and I think the end of it, I was like, hey, so what's the heart of what people are struggling with? You know, young people your age, like, you know, where's the fight? And you guys were like something like it's around our identity and our purpose. Like young people, 16, 17, 18 years old, they're just trying to figure out who they are and what they're supposed to do and who they're supposed to be. That was kind of the central struggle that you were describing as, you know, kids your age, Now that you're a little bit older, would you say that core struggle has changed? Maybe because the people you're hanging out with are a little bit older or a little more mature or whatever, or maybe the world has changed, kind of like what we talked about last time that, you know, everybody was holding their breath for COVID to be over and life to get back to normal. And now everybody's like, you know what? There is no normal anymore. This is the new normal. Do you think the answer to that question of, What's the central struggle for youth in the Christian world today? Do you think it's the same answer or do you think it's different? I think that in high school, yes, very much. What is my identity? What is my significance? But then I think in college, it just intensifies because we're all here trying to figure out what are our future plans? What do we want to do with our life? Like, Mm -hmm. why do I want to do these things with my life? And I think the question of like, what is my purpose and my significance here on earth just is always playing in the back of your head. And I think the circumstances that we find ourselves in has made that even more prevalent in our minds because uncertainty, disaster, sorrow in the face every single day, those kind of things makes us wonder like life isn't all just about having fun and having a good time because I've seen all this horrible stuff happen. So then what is life about and how can I contribute to that? Wow. There's a song that I really like by Alec Benjamin called Gotta Be a Reason. And I really like the song and I think it provides a lot of insight into the stuff that's going on in our minds. And so I'm just going to tell you the first couple lyrics. It says, there's got to be a reason that I'm here on earth. Got to be a reason for the dust and the dirt. The changing of the seasons never changed my hurt. So what's it worth? What's it worth? Wow, that's profound. What are your thoughts, Ruthie? My thought kind of just plays right into everything that you're saying. I think that absolutely college students are looking for their purpose just as much, if not more, than other high school and middle school students too. And I think what sometimes happens is we get burnt out and Mm -hmm. we get frustrated and we get like stressed out or like whatever you want to say, whatever happens, we get to this point where suddenly we just look for relief instead. Because we don't know what our purpose is, we don't know what our future is exactly holding, sometimes we revert to just, I need relief in this moment. And so if alcohol is going to bring me relief in that moment, 
then I'm going to go to alcohol. If relationships are going to bring me that relief, I'm going to go find relief in relationships. We are designed to eventually have relief with God in heaven. Mm. We won't have to experience any of the hardships of earth. We'll just get to, like, there'll be no crying, no pain. We'll just get to be in God's presence, worshiping him. There's that relief that we can look forward to. But a lot of the time, I think what happens now is, since we don't have that yet, we just look for other ways to satisfy it. We look for quick fixes when in reality, nothing is going to satisfy us because we are designed to be satisfied fully by God. Mm -hmm. We're not in heaven yet. So we're not at a place where we are just in God's presence and we can be fully satisfied by him. So until there, we're going to search for relief to search for some kind of satisfaction elsewhere. And like I said, I just think this plays right off the identity thing because when you're searching for your identity, you're searching for what it is, who you're going to be, where you're going to get your fulfillment. If you don't find that, or if you're having a hard time finding that, you'll fall back on, well, what will give me fulfillment right now? What Mm -hmm. will give me fulfillment tomorrow? Things like that. Wow. What advice do you have for those of us who are in apologetics, those of us who are in trying to teach the Bible, you know, mentor and disciple young people, those kinds of things. How can we help young people through that? And again, I think I asked you something similar like to this, you know, a year or so ago. The first thing you said was, you know what? Parents, grandparents, step one, listen. Listen to what we're saying. Because so many times parents, especially parents of younger kids, elementary school, you know, they're like, Hey, I know what you need. You just need to do this. I don't need to listen to you. I just know what you need and I'm going to just give it to you. And one of you guys or both of you explained like, look, when we get to be middle school teenagers, like we get to know ourselves and we're trying to tell you what we need. Listen to us. Let's have a conversation. So expand on that. I think absolutely there listening is foundational. It helps so much because once we feel like we have been heard, then we are able to start accepting Mm -hmm. advice, Mm -hmm. start accepting like truth. But if someone comes at us first with like the truth, but no one's taken the time to just let us like sift through our her or let us like get stuff off our chest, we can't really receive it. So I would say, first of all, listening is super important still. We just need someone to listen and we need to know that people care about it. But I think something I would add is it is helpful for adults and teachers to explain to me why I'm feeling this way. Mm. Like, I don't know that I was able to articulate it what I said, like, what, a couple minutes ago about that we can't be satisfied on this earth because we are designed to be satisfied mm-hmm. in heaven. I needed someone to tell me that. I needed someone to explain that to me, to articulate it to me, because first, I need to tell you, this is why I'm feeling this way. I'm not feeling satisfied. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for my fulfillment. I need someone to listen to me mm-hmm. say that. But then I need them to speak the truth into my life and tell me why that is. Because I'm just looking for, how do I fix this? Why is this happening? And so, honestly, I really think it's important for parents, adults, youth pastors, teachers, everybody. Like, I think it's really important for you to tell students 
why this is happening mm-hmm. and point it back to the Bible and show them the scripture, show them that like when God created the world and he created it and he looked at it and he said it was good. Adam and Eve were in the garden with him. They were dwelling with him and they were satisfied. And what happened was when the fall happened, they were separated and that relationship was broken. And so now we know that we cannot be completely fulfilled anymore. Now we know that it is only in God's presence that humans are totally satisfied. And so when someone explained that to me, I feel like genuinely it helps so much because now when I'm feeling these feelings I can pinpoint it and say well I know this isn't going to be fixed on earth and so now I can find ways to live with it find ways to see God and try to find satisfaction there while I can but I also I have knowledge that I can hold on to that I will not ever be completely fulfilled on this earth and there's just like a like you can rest in that and be like okay with it The thought that I have to add, one thing that I think is important to keep in mind when there's like teenagers or young adults interacting with older adults who have a lot more wisdom, if the older adults don't have an answer, please just say that. I respect adults way more when they say they don't know than adults who obviously don't know and pretend like they do. You might not know this, but it's really easy to tell when an adult is bluffing. And so it makes me lose respect for you. I would so much rather you say, I don't know. Or here's a thought, but I don't know. Let's look into that. I can literally think of professors where I've asked them questions and they'll talk for 10 minutes. And at the end, I'll be like, you didn't even answer my question. You went around in circles. Like out of respect for your authority, I'm not going to call you out on it. I'm not going to challenge you. You may walk away and think that, oh, she appreciated my answer. But in reality, (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Great answers, ladies. Great answers. So let me pivot a little bit and talk about Biola. So you guys are both at Biola. Ruthie is a freshman. Marianne's a junior. Let me just ask you guys, what have been some of your favorite teachers or subjects at Biola and why? My Old Testament class with David Talley right now Mm. is phenomenal. I genuinely can say I think I am starting to understand the Old Testament in a way that I have never understood it Mm. before. And Mm. it has opened like new worlds in my mind because I have a new appreciation for the Old Testament. And I feel like I'm finally starting to grasp concepts about God through the class. And I mean, I'll give you an example of something that I learned today in class. We were talking about Exodus and when the Egyptians were leaving Exodus after the Passover, after all the firstborn died and they were leaving Exodus, God told the Israelites to plunder the Egyptians, to ask their Egyptian neighbors for gold, for silver, for all sorts of stuff. And then in class today, my professor said, God has a purpose for what he does and the purpose of why he had the Israelites plunder the Egyptian is seen later in the book of Exodus when God commands his people to build him a tabernacle, a tabernacle that is lavishly furnished. Like they don't have any of this stuff. They were slaves in Egypt and now they're in the desert. Like where were they going to get all this stuff that God required for them to build the tabernacle before he would dwell with them? He had them plunder the Egyptians. Mm. That's where they got it from. 
this class I can't say enough good stuff about it I feel like so many dots are being connected and it's giving me a more correct view of who God is why he does some of the things that he does and I mean spoiler alert the answer to why he does what he does is because he's perfect and sees the big picture that we don't Mm. and I'm just getting like finally a grasp of what the old testament is all about and again spoiler alert the old testament is about the seed of adam who's going to crush the serpent and that's jesus and then through the old testament you just see that seed going like down and down and down and like everything relates to that and then bam you have jesus and he's the fulfillment and so i feel like i'm finally getting a grasp of oh that is why all this stuff is in there oh like it's all making sense wow how about you marianne off the top of my head, there's two classes that stick out to me that I've really enjoyed. One of them was my biblical interpretation and spiritual formation class, which is a mouthful. And it was taught by an adjunct professor named Elena Cray. And I admire her so much. Last episode, I talked about like, oh, this is how we interpret the Bible wrong. And I like read off some notes. That was from her class. Mm. And she was able to present things in a way that blew my mind. Even though I've grown up in the church, I've grown up as your daughter for my whole life, still (laughs) the way she represented things was revolutionary to me. And it challenged a lot of the way that I view my relationship with God. I think I used to come at it from a very legalistic way, Mm. which was my own like thought processes being off. Mm. But I literally have a memory of being in class sitting in the very back. And I like was covering my face with my hand because I was crying as I was thinking about how I had been viewing the way God viewed me wrong my whole life and all the implications had. And I was just like, I can't even process this new information. Mm. And it just really affected my walk with God a lot. The second class I just thought of is a class I'm in right now. It's a psychology class on marriage and relationships. And I think I'm just fascinated by it because I love psychology. I'm a psychology major. Mm. And I just love learning about we as people are created to be so relational and be created to be in community. And so I love learning about that and learning about how we fulfill that relational nature that God has given us and what the Bible has to say about it. And it's just so interesting to me. Very cool. What questions do you still struggle with from an apologetics point of view? What are some things that you're like, you know what, I've been studying the Bible, I've been getting all this great content and learning about God through my Old Testament class and understanding how to interpret the Bible, and but you know what, there's still some things that I just don't get, and it's I'm still wrestling through this stuff. Do you guys have any examples of those? I'm going to be honest. I don't really have a lot of apologetics questions that weigh on my heart. Mm. I have found more or less pretty satisfactory answers, or I'm uncomfortable in the tension that Mm. I find. Mm. I think of today, I had a very long, in-depth conversation about God's sovereignty with people in my Theo1 class. We had to read this thing called Divine Foreknowledge by Boyd. Mm. And we talked about it for a long time. We didn't come to a conclusion. And honestly, I was okay with that. Mm. The things that weigh on my heart that make me think a lot and like there's tension with my relationship with God has to do with the relational aspect of God and how to relate to him, what it should look like to have a relationship with God. Mm. For example, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. I struggle with 
figuring out how to relate to a person where doesn't present the characteristics that I find in my earthly friendships. Mm. For example, I like to sit with someone. I like to read their body language, read their nonverbal cues, look at them in their eyes. I mm. know how to relate on a material level. I like to relate with someone who's bound by time and who struggles with sin. And we can bond with each other by sharing the things we struggle with. We can mm. talk about our routines, our interests, our activities. And that is kind of how we create this relationship. I can't do that with God. Mm. I don't know what God's sense of humor is. I don't know what he likes to do for fun. I can't ask him about his favorite songs or memories or places. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of those questions even have answers. And so I think I constantly thinking to myself, how do I relate to God? How do we deepen our friendship when everything I know about a friendship doesn't apply to God? It's not necessarily a struggle in the sense that I'm sitting here doubting my faith. But it's kind of hard because I feel like as Christians, our whole goal is to restore our relationship with God. But I don't even know what a relationship should look like. Mm. That's really good, Marianne. Thank you for being vulnerable and personal and transparent with that. I know it's it wasn't quite the question that I asked, but I think your answer was even better than the question I asked. I 100% agree with Marianne. I'm glad he went first because I wasn't honestly sure how to put what I was thinking into words. And I think she did that very well. I think there are still some apologetics questions that I am confused about. There's still things that day to day, it'll just like hit me in a moment. And I'm like, wait, how do I know this? Or why do I know this? But one of the beautiful things, I mean, about the ambassadors form and about Google are that you can look this stuff up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, I know you know this because I call you all the time whenever I have a question. <laughs> like, the thing about apologetic specific questions are, I am confident that I can search for and find answers for them. Mm -hmm. So they don't really weigh on me constantly mm -hmm. because I know for a fact that I know where to go and I know where to take these questions. So yeah, that's the apologetic side of it. There are definitely still questions. And I mean, you know, I called you like, what, like a week and a half ago. And I was like, can you please remind me why we know the Bible is God's word? Like that was just one of the things I was like, wait, I forgot why we know that. And you explained stuff to me over the phone, texting me some stuff. And then I was like, I've got it enough to where it's not weighing on me. Mm -hmm. But with what Marianne was talking about, there's not really a cut and paste answer. You can't Google that. And I think since I've been at college, that's something I've been really having to struggle through is just how in the world do I have a relationship with God, like mm -hmm. an intimate relationship with God? Because I hear people talking about that. And even sometimes I'll see that in people's lives where they just seem to have such a connection with him. And I'm like, how do I get that? Mm -hmm. How do I get from where I am? I'm at point A. Point B is that intimate relationship. How in the world do I get from point A to point B? I don't know. Like Marion said, I think that's been what's weighing on me the hardest, especially because I'll go to my class and I'll learn about God and I'll just be like in awe of him and I'll like worship him. And then the next moment I'm like, in class and I'm about to take a test and I'm nervous or something will happen and I'm hurt and I'm just like want to cry out to God and be like God I'm hurting like just comfort me mm -hmm. but then I'm like wait but this is the same God that I was just like Worship? like yeah. worshiping like in utter <laughs> awe but now I can just talk to him as a friend right. like wait, wow. what I don't get it and so yeah I think I will just have to echo what Miriam was saying of just 
I wish it was as easy as just giving calling me, you uh, up and being like, yeah, yeah how do we relate to God again? Yeah, explain it exactly. And I know that's not quite possible, but I, along with what Marion was saying, I think mm-hmm. it would be really cool if maybe that was I don't know maybe if that was talked about just a little bit more, we could just have a, a couple more practical. And I feel like whenever I ask this, I usually get the same answers, which are read the Bible, pray. Read the Bible and pray. Meditate, read the Bible and pray. Like I'm like, okay, like I understand that logically, but I'm trying and it's not like. It doesn't seem to be like yeah. producing fruit. So I think we need more but, conversations as opposed to just be like, oh, read your Bible and get to know God better. Like but, I'm trying. Yeah. Again, ladies, thank you so much for being vulnerable. I do think, you know, read the Bible and pray is absolutely a formula for success, but it's not a formula for everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are certain things like be vulnerable with God and trust him and ask him to put you in situations that are going to make you more dependent on him and walk with other people who are close to him and watch what they do, the sort of subtle things. I think there's so much depth around being close to an almighty God that is beyond just the nuts and bolts and logistics of apologetics. So if I was going to answer the same question, I would say one of the things that still apologetically I wrestle with is the sovereignty of God, predestination, free will of mankind. Like, I get it. I get all the Bible verses that say God is this way. And I get all the Bible verses that say man is this way and truth is like this. I just haven't been able to synthesize all of these truths that are in tension into one congruent system that I'm like, okay, I got it. I might struggle with that for another 10 years or the rest of my life. And like, that's okay. I am at peace with the truths that I know about God and about myself, you know, there being some tension in that system. So anyway, to put that out there, that is one that I still wrestle with. I don't understand it as much as I wanted to. To give a follow-on personal answer, since that's where you guys ended up going, (laughs) I think there's times when I feel closer to God. I think those are times when usually things are not going well. And so a lot of people say, oh, you know, trials and persecutions and tribulations, those are the bad things. And when we can get through all the yucky stuff, then we'll finally get back to, you know, sitting on the beach with God and just hanging out. And it's like, well, no, I'm actually feel closest to God when things are really rough. And I think that's a misunderstanding that so many Christians have about what it means to be in a great relationship with God. It's not all just sitting around, hanging out with no troubles, no fears, no challenges, those trials and tribulations. And I think the word of God is clear about this. Those are given to bring us joy. James says, you know, in those trials and tribulations, rejoice. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's Mm -hmm. kind of my what I'd have to add there is I don't think it's cookie cutter. I don't think there's an easy equation or algorithm of what it means to be close to God. I just know that when I'm going through rough things, that's usually when I am feel closest to God and feel the most empowered by him. 
but I don't necessarily sit around in the peaceful times and say, hey, God, maybe we can get back to that nitty gritty, dirty, messy chaos stuff because I want to be close to you again. So anyway, well, hey, I love this conversation. I think I could interview you two every week. I love you guys. I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to continue to see what God is doing in you and through you through the rest of your lives. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Love you too. (laughs) I love you too. Now, how about you? Are you struggling to know your identity and your purpose in Christ? Did you grow up in the church, maybe in a great godly family, but now things that you thought you knew, thought you believed in, you're having doubts. You're wondering where God is. Are you struggling to find a community to ask these questions in a safe place and to find answers? Well, the Bible has good answers, and we're here to help. Go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com to check out so many of our helpful resources. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.